Joe Biden vacations and AOC heads to Florida as Omicron spikes. While the media, as always, target Ron DeSantis and the Democratic media complex prepares for a January 6th extravaganza. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. And there's so much of it because I've been missing you guys first. Let's talk about one of the best investments you can make. It is in yourself. This is why Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest, fastest growing universities in the country. Located in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, GCU has not increased campus tuition since 2009. They've delivered over $290 million in scholarships to online and campus students in 2020 alone. GCU offers 275 degree programs with over 250 of those online. So if you're looking to earn your degree online with supportive counselors and faculty from around the country, or you want to go to one of the top 20 best college campuses in America, where you truly feel connected to a community, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. It's private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash my offer to see what scholarships you qualify for. I visited GCU. Student body is fantastic. It's a beautiful campus. And honestly, it's the new year. So it's time to resolve to get your education in order. If you're looking for a credential so you can move up in your career, GCU is a great way to do it. Visit gcu.edu slash my offer. See what scholarships you qualify for from Grand Canyon University. Alrighty. So over the break, everyone continued to panic about Omicron, but not as much as they were before. Not as much as they, they were before. Because here is the thing. For so many people in the United States, they've been viewing COVID as a pagan god visiting wrath upon their enemies. If you were a blue state person, then every time Florida had a spike, you pointed at Florida. You said, those guys, they're bad because they voted for Ron DeSantis. And that is why there's a big spike in Florida. And every time California looked over at Texas and there was a spike in Texas, that, ah, those people are evil. And that's why this is happening. Well, there's only one problem. Now, Omicron has come. And Omicron is going to be gotten by everyone. Everyone's going to get Omicron. We're all getting it. I've been saying this since it broke. It is 140 times as transmissible as the original variant. It is 70 times as transmissible as Delta. Now, the really, really good news is it is also about 20% as deadly as Delta, which means that it is about as deadly as Delta would be after you were vaccinated for Delta. So you unvaccinated with Omicron, you have about the same odds as you would be vaccinated with Delta. Right? That's the South African stats. Which means that, you know, that's not all that scary. Like, it really is not. And a bunch of people in the blue states who are starting to get Omicron, despite having done all the things that their great scientific authorities told them to do, they now have a challenge because they can either look at their worldview and realize that COVID was not a pagan god. COVID is, in fact, just a disease, and it has certain vectors, and you can do certain things to mitigate against the risks of the disease, like getting vaccinated if you are unhealthy or if you are elderly or if you are in a very crowded area. Theoretically, you could be wearing an N95 mask, although not quite as effective against Omicron as it was against prior variants, right? But that's pretty much all you can do. And also, even if you get vaccinated, you're probably going to get Omicron. Instead of seeing the virus as just a challenge in life against which you have to make certain risk-reward calculations, the left started to see it as this pagan god. Well, once Omicron came, we are back to basic risk-reward calculations because you're getting punished whether you did the right thing or the wrong thing, whether you got vaxxed or unvaxxed, whether you are living in New York or living in Florida. There is a spike where you live because Omicron is really transmissible. And so this challenges the worldview. So you have two choices. Choice number one is to suddenly discover all the things that some of us have been saying for well over a year and realize that you have to live with a certain level of risk in your life. Or possibility two is you have to crack down even harder. 
If only we had shown more fealty to the health authorities. If only we listened more to Dr. Fauci. If only we worshiped more at the altar of Joe Biden. Then perhaps Omicron would spare us. And you can see this bifurcation happening on the left. It's really fascinating. So I want to begin with just a couple of brief stats because I know that stats are verboten where many on the, on the militant COVID lockdown left come from. Okay, here are the current deaths in California. Okay, they're averaging about 65 deaths a day in California. Okay, as you see, this number is actually lower than it was back in September. This despite the fact that the case count in California has indeed been going up. That is not a surprise because, again, Omicron is not nearly as deadly as Delta. Right? That's the case count. The case count is going to, like on a daily basis, it will be the highest it has ever been in California in very short order. They're seeing something like 60,000 new cases every day in California right now. And they're seeing 65 deaths a day. This is not unique to California. If we take a look at some of the other states, you will see that this is the consistent pattern. And by the way, it's the consistent pattern every every place on earth. Here are the deaths in New York. Hey, are, are you noticing something about the deaths in New York? That's correct. There has been no significant increase in the number of deaths in New York. Seven-day running average, 33 in New York. Here is what the case chart looks like. Okay, the case chart looks like an exponential spike. They're seeing 45,000 new cases a day in New York. Okay, so what? But, but are you going to let go of this, guys? Are you going to? Or are you not? Right, the cognitive dissonance is too great. On the one hand, COVID is only supposed to hit the unworthy. On the other hand, it's hitting everyone and very few people are dying. So what do you do? What do you do? By the way, Florida, right? You'll see the media covering Florida. Oh, the death in Florida. Oh, the chaos in Florida. 22 deaths on the seven-day rolling average. Okay, 24 deaths, December 31st, 2021. Okay, these are lower numbers than they were seeing in mid-September. Why? Because again, Omicron, not super deadly. Hey, thank God, this is a good thing. Like, accept the good news, guys. Here's that case count in Florida. 76,000 new cases, December 31st. Okay, now, one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of new cases is because everyone is testing. You can go all over the country and you're seeing giant lines of people who are testing for Omicron. And honestly, I don't understand the logic. I don't. The only logic seems to be that everybody is stuck in the March 2020 mindset in which a COVID, a COVID diagnosis meant that you were supposed to absolutely panic and freak out. I don't even understand. If you're asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic for COVID, they're not going to do anything for you on a treatment level. I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. And she's like, I am completely unaware of any medical perspective from which you are supposed to test people for a disease when it does not actually change your treatment vectors. In other words, why test for something if you don't change how you're going to treat the thing, right? You don't go get tested for the cold. Why? Because there's nothing you can do about the cold. You just have the cold and then you're done. The only reason to do this is because you still think you can stop transmission. You're not stopping transmission of Omicron. Okay, so here's the reality. For a lot of people on the left, they know this. A lot of people on the left know this. And they're beginning to, they're beginning to accept the reality. Not fully accept it, not intellectualize it, but, but sort of accept it in practice and even in some of their rhetoric. So you started to see this over the course of the last week and a half. So Joe Biden, the president of the United States, who once tweeted that he was going to stop the virus, which of course he has not because no one can because it's a virus. Here, here is President Biden, this is late December, saying there is no federal solution for COVID, which is weird because last I checked, he's attempting to mandate that all of my employees be vaccinated or he will find me. Which is So for a guy who says he has no control, he seems to be trying to assert an extraordinary amount of control. Here's the president of the United States saying, well, it's not my fault. There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. I'm looking at Governor Sununu on the board here. He talks about that a lot. 
And it ultimately gets down to where the rubber meets the road, and that's where the patient is in need of help or preventing the need for uh, help. All righty, well, um, I know that you can't solve this. Why don't you accept that you can't solve this? By the way, Joe Biden then took off for Delaware. So this is, we, have to, we have to sort of recapitulate what happened over the break. This is quite fascinating, and it shows you how the media have spun the American public out of control here. So Joe Biden says there is no federal solution. Then he promptly leaves for Delaware. He just takes off. For Delaware, in the middle of this giant Omicron spike. Now, theoretically, we should all be panicking, right? Giant. Now, in reality, none of us should be panicking. Right? We've done all we can. There are measures you can take if you wish to protect yourself. That's about it. There's Joe Biden just walking away. Catch you later. See you in Delaware, Bob. Bye. So he just walks away. Meanwhile, the irrepressible, unbelievably fresh, so fresh, so face, magnificently stupid, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She decamped. From locked down New York City, where everybody is still masked, where they have vax mandates, despite the fact that the vaccinated are still passing the disease, she decamped to Florida. And she was down here in, in Death Santis's hellscape, right down here in my state, vacationing with her boyfriend. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Like, that, that's so nice. She left a locked down state that she helped create to come down here to my state, which she is constantly ripping on as a hellscape Death Santis, burning, flaming, Dante Seventh Circle, carnage-ridden landscape of, of horror. She decamped down here so that she could vacation in the sun because she's a terrible person. <laughs> she decamped here. And then when people pointed out, hey, AOC, it's weird because uh, you're vacationing in the state that you keep talking about as being the worst, right? Ron DeSantis is going to get everybody killed and, and he doesn't care if people die. And yet here you are enjoying the sun and the fun with your boyfriend, she tweeted out in response, if Republicans are mad, they can't date me. They can just say that instead of projecting that, they, they can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos. So her response to, you are a flaming, ridiculous hypocrite for moving from your lockdown state down here to vacation while constantly mewling that Republicans are killing everyone. And yet you're here, I noticed, you don't seem that afraid, I noticed. It seems like in your personal life, when you're not parking your Tesla illegally at the Whole Foods, you're decamping to Florida for vacation. When we notice that, her response is, it's just because you want to have sex with me. Well, maybe it's because you're a moron. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because you're a stupid. Maybe it's because you're a giant stupido. Maybe it's because you have the brain power of like the little oven lights in the easy bake ovens that I get my daughter. Like Maybe it's because you are one of the dumbest people alive. That's why we are pointing this out. And then she tweeted out, it's starting to get old, ignoring the very obvious, strange, deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women, and LGBT plus people in general. Is she gay now? I, I missed that part. These people clearly need therapy, won't do it, and use politics as their outlet instead. It's really weird. No, what's really weird is that we point out that you are a ridiculous human being. And your first response is, well, that's just because you want to screw me. If somebody has a problem here, lady, I have a feeling it's you. By the way, she is she she was having lots of fun over the over the week, right? She she decamped here. She was um, apparently uh, she was called up on stage at a uh, drag queen bar at a drag bar in Florida, you know, unmasked with a bunch of people in close proximity with one another, you know, living living afraid as we are supposed to, taking all precautions as necessary. There she is. Oh, smiling. Oh, there we are. Oh. Oh. Mm, just, man, the, these folks, these folks. Okay, so 
I, I will say this. Uh, the, the, the media's treatment of this is, is truly astonishing. So they don't ask why Joe Biden is headed off to Delaware. They don't care. Right? He's going to Delaware. It's fine. It's fine. The man needs his nap and he needs his insure and he needs his matlock. And it's Christmas break. So why the hell not? And they don't care that AOC is decamping down to Florida to enjoy vacation in the land of sun and fun that she decries as once again, a landscape of, of death. They don't care about any of that. What they care about is where's Ron DeSantis? Literally the day after Joe Biden just absconded, they, they decided, you know, where's Ron DeSantis? And they started trending on Twitter. Where's Ron DeSantis? Where's Ron DeSantis? Where's Ron DeSantis? Where's Ron? Well, it turns out that where was Ron DeSantis? It turns out that um, Ron DeSantis was taking care of his wife who's having cancer treatments. So that's nice. Apparently, he took his wife to cancer treatments over Christmas break. And meanwhile, AOC was tweeting out about Ron DeSantis. She tweeted, hasn't Governor DeSantis been inexplicably missing for like two weeks? If he's around, I'd be happy to say hello. His social media team seems to have been posting old photos for weeks. In the meantime, perhaps I could help with local organizing. Folks are quite receptive here. Smiley face. Yeah, come down here and try to run AOC. We'll see how that goes for you. Really, really. Pick a district. Anytime. Anytime. Or alternatively, just stay the hell out of my state because you don't belong here. Seriously, go away. Just go away. It's a free country. You're allowed to be here. I'm not saying we should legally bar you from entering the state. I'm saying that you're that if you are going to crap all over the state where I live and then come here for vacation and then rip on the governor who has done all the things that you did not want to do, you should maybe just stay home. Maybe you should just go home, you jackass. Maybe that. But honestly, this is how I'm feeling about, about, about all of this stuff lately. The reason I'm feeling this is because there are newfound discoveries happening each and every day from the left about things that all of us, those of us who've been listening to the show, those of us who've been following the data, right, there are many things that we have been saying for well over a year and some things we've been saying for a couple of months since Omicron that you guys have been ignoring. And yet suddenly it has dawned upon you like a ray of light from the heavens. The clouds opened. Oh, suddenly the voice broke forth. The voice, not of God, but of God is a woman. Oh, Ariana Grande's voice came down from the heavens and suddenly you were bestowed with vast wisdom with regard to COVID that some of us have been saying by looking at the data for the last several months. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the chair that you need. Speaking of things that come directly from heaven, I've spoken to you before of the magic of the X chair. Well, it's a brand new year and what better time for you to please your back and please your buttocks then by getting the greatest chair of all time, the X chair. Thanks to my X chair, I look forward to sitting in my office because my body feels much more supported and comfortable. More comfort means more productivity, helping my X chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work I'm getting done every single day. And if I'm feeling stressed or tight, I just turn on that Elamax massage feature and choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, you can flip on that Elamax temperature regulation and you can either heat or cool your back. Once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. I promise. Go to xchairshapiro.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, S-H-A-P-I-R-O.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. xchairshapiro.com. All right, so... As I say, I'm noticing that the Democrats are sort of acting like Republicans now, but they're not speaking like Republicans. Or if they do, they're pretending that it's brand new info, breaking news. Beep, 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 beep. It wasn't that the Republicans were right all along. It wasn't that 
commentators who follow the data have been right all along. It's that there's new information. And this new information changes everything. It's amazing how the new information coincided directly with a bunch of them and their friends getting Omicron. Right? Literally, as soon as they got a cold and they realized that this wasn't the end of the world and that they had done all of the things and that God had still smote them with Omicron, at exactly that point in time, they went, oh, maybe I should be able to go to work. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have to shut down my business. Hey, you know, should we shut down all of American society over all this stuff? I am so frustrated. You are so frustrated. We are all so frustrated. You guys spent almost two years, you spent almost two years killing people's businesses, destroying their lives, forcing their kids out of school, only to now turn around and pretend that it has dawned upon you, like the prophets of old, the great truth from above, the same crap we've been saying for months and, and at this point, almost years. Yeah, you can shove it where the sun don't shine, man. Like, my God. Okay, so we begin with Chris Hayes. So Chris Hayes over at MSNBC, he's talking about Omicron. He says, you know, you know, Omicron, get this, guys. Get, Omicron is kind of like the flu. It's kind of like the flu. So here is the thing. Omicron is kind of like the flu in terms of its infection death rate, right? Its infection fatality rate, its IFR, is very close to that of the flu by the available data. You know what else is very close to the IFR of the flu? Post-vaccination Delta, right? If you're, not, if you're unvaccinated, then Delta is way more deadly than the flu. If you're post-vaccination, then Delta is less deadly than the flu on an IFR basis. So is the original variant. Once you're vaccinated, you are good to go. And yet these people treated it as panic time the entire time. If you even said that post-vaccination, you really should not be afraid. You should go and live your life and you're fine. You're treated as a, as a COVID denier. Now here's Chris Hayes and it has suddenly dawned on him. Wait, this thing isn't so bad. Yeah, we know, asshat. We know. Here he is. Those people who are vaccinated, particularly those who are boosted, you know, the risk, the personal risk of, of being exposed to this went from something that we hadn't really dealt with specifically like this before in our lifetimes. We hadn't quite had an illness this infectious and this possible to cause serious illness to something that does look more like the flu. And the flu, of course, can still be dangerous, kills tens of thousands of Americans every year, but we don't orient our lives around the flu. Whoa, wouldn't it Tucker Carlson take over Chris Hayes' body? That was weird. That was super strange. I mean, whoa, it's just dawning on them now, guys. It's dawning on them now, but they, they're the first to discover it. Honest, honest to goodness. Okay, or, or how about Dr. Anthony Fauci? So Dr. Fauci, over the break, he was talking about the fact that no one in South Africa is, uh, is vaxxed. Like the vaccination rate in South Africa is really low, like 30%. And yet no one in South Africa is dying of COVID. Weird. I wonder why that could be. Could it be? Wait, I'm, I'm going to say a couple of words right here. It's a phrase. It's a phrase we've used a lot on the show. Doctors who've been on the show have used it as well because it has been known about for literally a couple of thousand years at this point. Natural immunity. Once you have the disease, your body now knows how to fight the disease. I know, this is crazy talk because COVID was so new. It was brand new. It was so special. It was different from every other disease. In fact, it's not. COVID works like pretty much every other disease. But Dr. Anthony Fauci, it's now dawning on him that natural immunity is a thing, but apparently still only in South Africa. In the United States, you have to vax, boost, boost again. In fact, you have to get that punch card. And if you finally get to 12 boosters, then you get a free donut. And also they give you a new punch card so you can start over because it's more like your dry cleaners than it is like an actual fulfillment of some sort of curriculum, right? There will never be an end to the boosters, according to Anthony Fauci. But, but natural immunity does apply in South Africa. So, um... Yeah, I didn't know that biology was different in South Africa than here, but according to Fauci, it is. Here is Fauci discovering natural immunity. It dawned on him for the first time with Omicron. Amazing. 
it is likely that the reason that it is less severe is that in South Africa, what you have is a very large proportion of the population has already been infected and recovered and a relatively smaller proportion have been vaccinated. So it is likely that the protection against infection is not very good because it'll get into the nasopharynx and infect you. The reason they may have a less severe is that the underlying cross protection that you have from an experience of a virus of a different variant might actually be protecting you from severe disease, which predominantly involves the lungs. I'm sitting here in stun silence because some of us have been saying this for two years. Okay, and Captain Best Doctor in the World, after Dr. Jill Biden, is suddenly discovering natural immunity. Well, slow clap for Dr. For Dr. Fauci. Slow clap for the greatest infectious disease specialist of our time. Slow clap for discovering the same thing that we've known for a couple of thousand years at this point. Meanwhile, Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, very hawkish on COVID, right? He, has, he said over the weekend, you know, I've noticed that cloth masks with regard to Omicron are not super protective. All right. All right. I'm, I'm glad you've made this discovery. I'm, I'm glad that, that you and Leanna Wen at CNN, you've discovered that cloth masks do pretty much nothing against Omicron after we already knew that the cloth masks, there, there's literally, like, if you can provide me studies that show the cloth masks are super, effect, are super effective against Delta, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to hear them. Uh, against Omicron, some of us said right off the get-go, what they're saying right now, and then would get banned or demonetized from YouTube because of it. But, but if Dr. Gottlieb says it, and, and if Leanna Wen says it, I mean, that, that changes everything because, of course, they are the approved ones. So here's Dr. Gottlieb. What do you tell parents? Are cloth masks just not good enough anymore? Cloth masks aren't going to provide a lot of protection. That's the bottom line. This is an airborne illness. We now understand that. And a cloth mask is not going to protect you from a virus that spreads through airborne uh, transmission. It could protect better through droplet transmission, something like the flu, but not something like this coronavirus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, the, yes, but what if we force masks on children or five? Won't that stop things? You're not going to can 95 the kids. You're not going to N95 the kids. The cloth masks don't do bleep against Omicron, particularly with kids. What in the... But, but I'm glad it's dawned on you. Welcome to the party, pal. But, but now that they've said it, then I guess the experts have changed their opinions because the data, the data didn't change. The data are exactly the same as they were a month ago. And when it comes to some of these issues, the same as they were a year ago. And we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you are paying too much for gas because you are paying too much for gas. I'm not going to name any names, names that rhyme with with Schmo Bryden to blame for the, the high gas. But I will say that you are paying too much for gas, and that means you need the free Get Upside app. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download that free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download that app for free. Use promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. Some people who drive a lot, making hundreds of bucks a month in cash back. There is no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. That is promo code Shapiro. That free GetUpside app is going to make you so much money. And again, there's really no catch. Get the 
free Get Upside app right now at the App Store to get started. Alrighty. So again, I'm, I'm just amazed that that all of our health experts, all of our policy experts are, are just accepting the reality now, as we'll see, not for long. So Dr. Fauci made an incredible statement over the course of the Christmas holiday, Christmas, New Year's holiday. The CDC made an announcement. The announcement was that if you are diagnosed with COVID, then your quarantine period should not be 10 days. Your quarantine period should be five days, right? Once you're, if you're asymptomatic, if, if your symptoms go away, then you should be able to go to work after five days. Now, is this based in science? The answer is no, it is not based in science. You know why? Because nothing the CDC does is based in science. Six feet of social distancing, not based in science. The standard is based on just arbitrary nonsense. It's really based on, on droplets. It's not based on airborne viruses. Studies done in like the 1930s and 40s. Okay, so, so the six foot standard is meaningless. All of the mask studies that have been done that are showing that masks are super duper effective are basically lab studies that, that have not been applied in the real world. There's one study from Bangladesh about real world masks, and that did not apply to Delta, which is much more infectious than the original variant. And it certainly does not apply to Omicron. So, so much of the quote unquote science that is surrounded this is just based on, on faulty data. So the CDC has now announced that once you're five days in, you can go back to work. But the consideration, why? Why? Well, because if they force everybody out of work for Omicron, it shuts down the economy again. Like some of us were saying several weeks ago, that if you wish to go into soft lockdown, test everybody and force them all to quarantine for 10 days. So Anthony Fauci and the CDC accepted that over the course of the last week. The reason is that now that we have such an overwhelming volume of cases coming in, many of which are without symptoms, there's the danger that this is going to have a really negative impact on our ability to really get society to function properly. You're hearing reports from cities throughout the country of substantial percentages of firefighters, policemen, people with critical jobs who are infected and required to stay home in isolation for 10 days. So the CDC made a decision to balance what's good for public health at the same time as keeping the society running. Okay, so here's the thing. If the CDC had taken that approach from the beginning, then you were killing grandma. Do you remember this? Go all the way back to the beginning. Some of us said, trying to calm myself down here. Some of us said at the beginning, you know, there are a bunch of competing priorities here. One is protecting the people who are most vulnerable. The other is making sure we don't shut down the economy, destroy hundreds of thousands of small businesses and wreck millions of lives. And if you mentioned that, you were ready to kill grandma. It was all about murdering grandma. If you said that protecting people who are 80 should be the priority, and that you don't shut down all of society to protect the people who are 80? If you said this, it's because you wanted grandma to die. This is what it, you remember. Now the CDC is, and, and it was people like Fauci saying this, well, it's all about saving lives. You know, you got to save lives. That's the only important thing. See, the mask up your grandmother. And then even after she's dead, you go into a graveyard, you dig it open if she's dead, and you put the mask on her skull, on her moldering skull, you got to make sure that his skin doesn't degrade into some sort of, you know, something terrible. Like, like she gets COVID and then she dies again. Because even though she's dead, she could die twice. It's like double masking, double death. You got to be very, she might be mostly dead. Not totally dead, mostly dead. And then she infects the ground, it gets into the groundwater. And then some child in, in upstate New York might get COVID because of that. It's very bad. This was the shtick for two years. And now all of a sudden, Anthony, hey, you know, guys, we might have to have some. So what changed? What changed? The answer is, all these people got COVID. That's the answer. The answer is all these people got Omicron. They all got Omicron. Because they all got Omicron, they were like, oh, either I'm bad and I have sinned, or alternatively, 
New data has emerged from the sky. And now I understand that we have to balance priorities. And now that I say it, because I'm one of the good ones, we're all allowed to say it. If you said it, for, if you said it five months ago, that's because you were bad and you should be banned from social media. But if you say it today, it's because you're good because you did all the things we asked of you. Okay, so here's the thing. Even that provides cognitive dissonance for, for too many who are COVID lockdown fanatics. Right? They're still too freaked out. They can't deal with it. So immediately upon the left beginning to deal with reality, which by the way is a good thing. Okay, I'm ripping on them because it's pathetic that we spent two years listening to these mewling idiots who don't bother to follow the data and are so consumed with their hatred of people on the other side of the political aisle that they are willing to rip on decent policy so long as the person promulgating the policy has an R next to their name. I'm not even talking about people who are anti-vaccine, you know, ripping on people who are anti-vaccine and, and pushing stuff that's not true about vaccines. I'm saying what they're ripping on Ron DeSantis, for example, in Florida, who is pushing vaccines and vaccinated the elderly and protected them better than the great and sainted late departed Andrew Cuomo of grab assery. Right, they, like, the, the, fact that, the, the fact that they were so enmeshed in their, they were so engulfed in their own hatred of everybody who didn't think like them, that they embraced the position that was anti-data. And now that they have embraced the data-driven position or started to embrace the data, now it's a good position. Now you can take it. Okay, but here's the thing. They can't deal with even that. Because once you have enervated an entire population, those people are too scared. They're too scared. We have turned them into, into puddles of humanity. These are people who are scared of their own shadow at this point. And so the pushback has begun. And you're starting to see people on the left going, wait, hold up, hold up. Like, we're all getting Omicron, and you say Omicron isn't that bad, but I also know I'm supposed to be super scared. I've been told for the last two years that I should be living in abject fear of this virus, whether I'm vaccinated, whether I have natural, I should be living day to day in, in terror that the virus is going to crash through my door like the Kool-Aid man and just bash me over the skull with a copy of the CDC handbook. That's what I'm afraid of. So how are you guys loosening up? Dana Bash, representative of this class, here she is on CNN, trying to cudgel Dr. Fauci and the CDC back into line. You know, maybe you guys shouldn't change the standard from 10 days to five days. Maybe you should change it back to 10 days because, you know, we wouldn't want to be realistic here at all. These are relaxed quarantine guidelines that came from the CDC, and they're coming under fire from some public health experts. CNN medical analyst Dr. Jonathan Reiner sent out a tweet saying, quote, the latest CDC guidelines, which allow people to leave isolation after five days without a test, remind me of when the public was told we didn't need masks, when in reality, the problem was the U.S. didn't have masks. You've always promised to follow the science, Dr. Fauci. Is this driven by science or by the social and business pressure we were talking about? Okay, and, and Fauci didn't have an answer for that because obviously it's a balance of the two, right? It's a balance of the two, meaning that the, the underlying reality of not testing people after five days and sending them back into the workforce, the underlying reality is that we're not trying to stop the spread at this point. And the reason we're not trying to stop the spread is because we can't. And the reason that we can't is because this thing is wildly infectious. And the very good news is that it being wildly infectious and also being not all that deadly, all right, we can all live with that. We can. And if you're particularly immunocompromised or vulnerable, you should take special precautions for yourself. Maybe you should isolate. Otherwise, we're all going to go back to work. And we're all going to live our lives. And those of us in Florida have been doing so for literally a year. Those of us in Florida have been doing so for well over a year, maybe a year and a half at this point. And, um, and that's why you're all vacationing down here, you jerks. Go back home. Go live in your miserable basements, being sad and miserable, triple masked while staring at the walls and worshiping an icon of St. Fauci. Okay, but, but again, the pushback has begun. So now Fauci begins to walk it back. So five, within five minutes of saying, yeah, we've got to take into account the actual realities of the situation on the ground. All of a sudden Fauci's like, well, you know, 
Maybe we should reconsider. I don't know. Maybe we should be harsh again. Who knows? Then you, will you love me, Dana? If, if I say yes, will you love me? Will you? Will you love Dr. Anthony? I was on the cover of In, in, of in Touch magazine. That's how special I am. The likelihood of transmissibility is considerably lower in that second half of a five of, of a 10 day period. And for that reason, the CDC made the judgment that it would be relatively low risk to get people out. You're right. People are getting concerned about why not test people at that time. I myself feel that that's a reasonable thing to do. I believe that the CDC soon will be coming out with more clarification of that since it obviously has generated a number of questions about at that five-day period, should you or should you not be testing people? So within five seconds of him recognizing that reality is reality, he's immediately cudgeled back into fantasy. Maybe we should have tests of the asymptomatic to make sure that they're not transmitting. Here's the thing. I know people who have had COVID and some of them are testing positive for COVID weeks after the fact. Because it turns out that all a COVID test does, all a PCR test does, is test your nasal cavity, essentially, for presence of the virus. Okay, but that doesn't mean that it's transmissible. It could be dead virus. It could be virus you've already shed. It also does not mean that that's super dangerous. But it doesn't matter. Now we're going to test the asymptomatic, which means back into soft lockdown. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci is going to continue to maintain the fiction that cloth masks are super effective against Omicron. So now we have a Gottlieb and when versus Fauci battle. Here's Fauci trying to uphold the the efficacy of cloth masking against Omicron based on literally zero data, zero. Are cotton and surgical masks effective at preventing the spread of Omicron? When the CDC says they are effective, in fact, they are. Are they as effective as an N95? No. But what was being said is rather wear a cotton or a surgical mask than not wear any mask at all. And that's the point that was made. I think it was a consideration that people were saying if they're not effective, well, then don't wear them. They have a degree of effectiveness. And if that's the mask that's available to you, use it. He's provided no data to support this. None. Zero. And meanwhile, in New York, by the way, they're considering they're continuing to maintain their garbage policy, despite the fact that they have this record spike. They have higher levels of Omicron in New York City than they ever had of, of Delta. I mean, they're getting like 40,000 cases a day in New York City. And Bill de Blasio on his way out announced these vax mandates that every business in New York was going to need to mandate that all of its employees were vaxxed. Now, I know a bunch of business owners in New York, they're just going to relocate because half their employees are not vaxxed. Half their employees have natural immunity. There's no exception for national, natural immunity, by the way. According to the New York Times, the spike has caused crippling shortages of workers that have forced restaurants to close, subway lines to shut down, Broadway theaters to shutter. Concerns about the virus even caused the Westminster Kennel Club to postpone its January show. The test positivity rate is above 20% in New York City. So what did Eric Adams, the incoming mayor of New York, the great savior of New York do? What did he do? He immediately doubled down and said that he's going to maintain de Blasio's vax mandate in the city of New York. Well, we welcome all the actual productive taxpaying citizens of New York down to Florida. Please vote like you didn't while you were in New York. Because this is what you could decide to embrace. So the Democrats are, are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They really are. You got Ron Klain retweeting Chris Hayes saying that Omicron is basically no worse than the flu. Meanwhile, you got the Democrats saying, what if we just continue to soft lock down everything? What if Omicron continued to lock down everything? This is very bad for Democrats, right? Because this is an election year. So you guys, can, you have boxed yourselves in. You have created an authoritarian 
box of your own making, and now you have locked yourself inside. But unlike Harry Houdini, you can't actually get out, so you're screwed. We'll get to that in one moment, because the Democrats do have a plan. It's to say a thing over and over again. We'll get to that in a moment first. Right now, we have record low mortgage rates. That is not going to last forever. The Fed is going to taper. They've made it clear this year they're going to raise interest rates maybe three times. That means that if you're looking to refi your mortgage, now is the best time in human history. Every day that passes, you know what's going to happen. We're at risk of seeing higher rates. It will cost you money. Please find out what your options are with my friends at American Financing. You can get a free mortgage review, no obligation whatsoever, by calling our friends at American Financing. You're likely to save hundreds, if not a thousand bucks a month and tens of thousands long term. You can choose any loan term 10 years and over, so you're not wasting money on interest. A refi really can save you a lot of money, but you've got to call before the rates get higher. 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net and MLS 182334 and Again, that's AmericanFinancing.net, 866-721-3300. That is 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. That is AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLS Org. Refi your mortgage today and save yourself some money. All righty, we'll get to more in just one second. First, folks, I have a big announcement for you. It's something I'm super excited about. So I know a lot of you are making New Year's resolutions this year. One of your resolutions might be to read more. I get a lot of people who have been emailing me over the course of years asking about the kind of books that I'm reading. Well, as you know, I read all the time. And I really believe that the books that we read help shape our worldview, which is why I'm super excited to kick off the brand new year by announcing my new book club. Once a month, I'm going to be recommending a book. It has cultural significance, not just new books or political books, classic books as well, some of which the left have chased out of classrooms. These are the key pillars in the foundation of Western society. Become a better you by reading the books that should be on everybody's list and read them along with me. When you join the book club, you'll get access to my personal notes and analysis of the book. Then on the third Thursday of each month, I will join Daily Wire members online for an in-depth lecture and discussion of every book. Don't let this year go by without investing in yourself. 12 books a year, a book a month. Go to thirdthursdaybookclub.com. We will send you this month's book recommendation and some of the materials you'll need to participate in the members-only discussion on Thursday, January 20th. That's thirdthursdaybookclub.com. I can't wait to share my passion for reading with you. Also, Do Not Comply has taken on an entirely new meaning for The Daily Wire this week. This Friday, the Supreme Court convenes to hear arguments on the legality and constitutionality of Joe Biden's federal vaccine mandate That means this week will be pivotal in our fight against the Biden administration's authoritarian vax mandate. We have over a million signatures on our Do Not Comply petition. We really appreciate that. We would love to see that number increase dramatically before Friday when you sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply. You do help us send the message that the American people will not comply. Head on over to dailywire.com slash do not comply right now. We're counting on you to help us put a stop to the disgusting, tyrannical federal overreach that we are currently seeing. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so here's the thing. All of the Democratic confusion, the Norman Osborne Green Goblin personality split, it's just like the flu. No, it's not just like the flu. It's going to kill us all. No, we can't test it. We have to test the asymptomatic. No, no, you mustn't. They have to be let out after. (laughs) Watching all of this, the American public is having a nervous breakdown. And because we are all having a nervous breakdown, apparently, this is having a rather large toll on businesses. And this means that the Democrats are set for a shellacking in 2022, and they know it. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, the rapid spread of COVID-19's Omicron variant is weighing on U.S. businesses, keeping more workers home sick or quarantined, leading some companies to cut services and reduce hours. The rise of COVID-19 infections to record levels in recent days has driven thousands of canceled flights, prompted retailers to train available employees on new jobs, close some stores altogether. The rapidly spreading Omicron variant is hitting businesses at a time when consumers' demand for products and services has surged. Many companies are already struggling with staffing and supply chain challenges. Now, let's make this very clear. That's not because of Omicron. It's because of policy regarding Omicron. As always, when you treat Omicron as a crisis and send lots of people who are asymptomatic home and force them to test, and when you have tens of thousands of people getting tests for asymptomatic or mild colds, you're going to end up with a soft lockdown. This has some rather large ramifications for most Americans. Meanwhile, stocks face a rockier path in 2022 as a Fed rate increase looms, according to the Wall Street Journal. Quote, the double threat of an unpredictable pandemic and looming interest rate increases is tempering investors' optimism heading into 2022, a contrast to their vaccine and stimulus-fueled enthusiasms of a year ago. Investors had plenty to feel good about over the holidays. Supported by an economic rebound even stronger than most had expected, the S&P 500 climbed 27% in 2021, the third largest gain of the past 20 years. Okay, first of all, this was not a, an economic rebound stronger than most had expected. It was significantly weaker than most had expected, but... Heading into 2021, economists surveyed had expected that the U.S. economy would grow 3.7%. Instead, it likely expanded more than 5%, but inflation also expanded massively. So the real growth rates were lower. One major concern of investors, how different problems might feed on each other. Fresh waves of COVID-19 cases caused by new or existing variants might slow economic growth by reducing consumer spending. But some worry such surges could help sustain already hot inflation by contributing to supply chain problems and labor shortages. Okay, so the Democrats confused policy and their refusal to just go back to something mildly resembling normal means that they are going to pay the price. Because here's the thing. Here's why I say it's a problem of policy. It is not a problem of Omicron per se. Okay, because if you actually look at the states in the United States that, for example, did not engage in the stupidity of randomly lengthening the period of unemployment benefits ad infinitum, those states did fine in terms of job recovery. The states that decided to continue to support people staying home for COVID, those states have not done particularly well in terms of job recovery. Okay, according to a Wall Street Journal piece from the editorial board over at the Wall Street Journal, using data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics monthly household survey, early termination of unemployment led to a 14 percentage point increase in the flow from unemployment to employment. The unemployment rate among prime age working Americans in the 24 states that maintain big benefits through Labor Day would have been 0.7 percentage points lower in August had they ended benefits in June. The national unemployment rate would have been 0.3 percentage points lower had all states ended benefits early. But Democrats want to keep blowing out the spending and everybody knows it. And so Democrats are now in a state of panic because Joe Biden's message is not resonating. It's not resonating at all. And so this leaves the Democratic media complex with a problem. And the problem is, if Joe Biden's message is not resonating, and if, in fact, we're about to see Fed rate increases, which means the stock market doesn't do what it did last year, and if that means that it's going to have an impact on employment rates, which typically happens when you raise interest rates, employment rates tend to go down a little bit. Okay, well, if all that happens, and people are still paranoid, then the Democrats are headed for a massive red wave in November. And so the media have to do two things. They have to do two things. One, they have to somehow save Joe Biden. And two, they have to come up with an alternative talking point to, you know, reality and, and current affairs. And they've come up with both of these. So the first thing that they've come up with is the idea that if you oppose Biden, it's because you're very, very bad. So over the Christmas holiday, the biggest story in America, 
for at least a couple of days. The biggest story in America is that Joe Biden was doing some sort of Christmas shtick from the fake Oval Office where he uh, where he called up a bunch of people, random people, as Santa was supposedly flying over their houses using the the cute you know, graphic of, of from um, from the Defense Department of, of Santa flying around. Joe Biden was calling up Brandon people and saying, can you see Santa from your house? And one of the people he called up proceeded to drop, let's go Brandon on him. And Joe Biden, because he does not know what year it is or which country he lives in or what office he holds, Joe Biden was like, that sounds great. I also like Brandon. Ah. I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Oh, thank Christmas you. And let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. I <laughs> <Yeah>. agree. <laughs> and you can see it's dawning on Jill right in that moment that, um, that, that's not that let's go Brandon means F Joe Biden. And uh, Joe has no clue. Just say, I agree. Let's go, Brandon. He said the media made this. This was the worst story ever. According to the media, this was the worst thing happening in America. Not Omicron, not the fact that this guy took off for Delaware after basically abdicating all responsibility. Not the fact that Democrats were decamping to Florida to party it up. The biggest story in America is someone said something mildly rude, a euphemism for F you to Joe Biden on a public phone call. End of world, because no one ever said anything mean to Trump ever. No one. In fact, American politics has been replete with civility since the beginning, which is why Alexander Hamilton was shot dead in a duel with a man who was the vice president of the United States. So, yeah, there, there was there was that, you know. Uh, but, but you know, it's, it, this was the worst thing. I mean, the number of think pieces, the number of think pieces about let's go Brandon, because the idea here, again, is that in the end, all Democrats have is their unearned sense of moral superiority. That's all they have. Those are all the things. They don't have the efficacy they don't have a record of success here. All they have is the unearned moral superiority and scare tactics, which is why they are panicking and they are freaking out. And so now their new move is they're going to try to essentially change voting procedures to make it easier for Democrats to win. That's their new move. Their new move is, and there's only one way they can do that, and that is by shifting the topic of conversation, which is what this week is going to be all about because they're panicked, right? What are they panicked over? They're, they're panicked over the fact that Republicans are about to take Congress. And if Republicans take Congress, one of the things that they might do is ban things like ballot harvesting, which is a super corrupt practice by which Democrats basically hire a bunch of activists to go door to door to people who did not order an absentee ballot, but were sent an absentee ballot by the Democrats in the state legislature. They go door to door. They pick up the ballots. Now, that's a recipe for voter fraud. It's a recipe for it because you're just going to somebody's door and you know that person's a registered Democrat and you tell them how to vote. And then they hand you the ballot or they hand you the ballot and you fill it out for them. Okay, right? Ballot harvesting is a really corrupt practice. By the way, it's been used by both Republicans and Democrats, depending on where you are. Just across the board, it's bad. Democrats wish to enshrine that. Republicans wish to avoid that. So Democrats are panicking and Democrats are looking at 2022 and they know that their window of opportunity closes in 2022 because there is a very good shot that come, come the election in November, they're in real trouble. Right? And, they, and they can't stand it. They know a bad year is coming. I think, by the way, you know who knows more than anybody else that a bad year is coming is Don Lemon from CNN. So Don Lemon, he knows a bad year is coming. So he was ripping on his haters, Don Lemon, the worst anchor in, in American news. Here he was on New Year's Eve, drunk as a skunk. The, the most trusted name in news. Here we go. I don't give a... What do you think about me? What do you think about... I don't care. I'm a grown-ass man. Yes. I don't care what you think about me. Yes. I'm alive. I am who I am. I'm a grown successful black man who a lot of people hate because then I use uh, people seeing me and people like me in a position that I am to be able to share what I my point of view on television it 
freaks people out. And you know what? You can kiss my behind. I do not care. I don't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. And you know what? His lack of care, the media's lack of care, the Democrats' lack of care, it means they're about to get a whooping come November. That election is going to be fun to watch as a conservative. It's going to be very, very, or is it just a reasonable person? I think it could be very fun to watch. So Democrats have to, they, in, in short order, Democrats must come up with an alternative. So here's the alternative Democrats have, have come up with. Are you ready for it? You ready? Here we go. It is, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. January 6th. That's the alternative. January 6th. If the Democrats just say January 6th over and over, like Beetlejuice into the mirror, it will suddenly appear. And then if January 6th appears, then all will be made right with the world because you will remember that Donald Trump is a bad man. And even though Donald Trump isn't on the ballot and isn't running for office this year, and even though you are much more concerned over whether your real wages decreased over the course of the last year, and even though you're much more worried about whether your business is still going to be open this year or whether you're allowed to send your kid to school or they're going to mask up your four-year-old, even though you're worried about those things, what you really should be laser focused on is the fact that some idiots and droogs went into the Capitol building on January 6th, were quickly expelled by the police within a couple of hours, and then Joe Biden was certified as the election winner. That's what you're supposed to remember. Huge, vastly important. And the media and Democrats, they're always on message. The propagandistic media is, in, it is, it is an incredible thing. So CNN is doing an entire Capitol celebration of January 6th, a commemoration. And it really is a celebration because they're so happy this thing happened. They are so happy that the Capitol building was invaded. They're so happy about that. The reason they're so happy about that is because they get to talk about it and try to proclaim that no matter how bad Democrats are at governing, at least they're not in league with weird Wagnerian helmet guy. At least they're, at least they're not in league with barbarian droog, bare-chested in the capital in the Capitol Rotunda guy, right? This is, the, this is their final pitch. So according to CNN, several lawmakers and members of the law enforcement community tasked with protecting the U.S. Capitol will mark the one-year anniversary of the deadly insurrection there next month during a live event hosted by CNN, the network announced Thursday. So first of all, the deadly insurrection, let's just make clear. First of all, calling it an in, in insurrection is, is a bit of an overstatement because typically when you talk about an insurrection, you're talking about a military attack on, a, on an installation, not a bunch of idiots walking in unarmed and selfieing themselves while they're in the building. That does not mean there weren't people attacking cops. There were people attacking cops. There were some cops that were injured. The thing that made it deadly, by the way, the only person who was actually killed during that entire, that entire debacle was Ashley Babbitt, who was one of the rioters that she was shot to death. All the other officers who died that day or in the surrounding days, there's no evidence that they died because of January 6th. That is not to downplay what January 6th was. I think it was an awful image for the United States. I thought it was a terrible image for the rest of the world. I thought it was ugly. I thought it was, I thought it was stupid. I thought it had nothing to do with reality. I thought it was propagated. By, I, was, I thought that the, the people who were there were operating under assumptions that were untrue, propagated by the president of the United States. Like all of that is, that does not make it a deadly insurrection, right? But that's how CNN is going to cover it. So, so they're not covering the one-year anniversary. They didn't cover it last summer, the one-year anniversary of the Black Lives Matter riots that caused $5 billion in uninsured property damage and, uh, and ended with the deaths of, of, I believe, a couple of dozen people. But they are going to have a full-on inauguration-style coverage of the one-year anniversary of, two, uh, of, of a few hundred people breaking the windows at the Capitol building and then being expelled by the Capitol police who got there late. Live from the Capitol, January 6th, one year later, will air on January 6th, 2022, exactly one year after the riot, quote, honoring the heroes who protected our democracy in the face of an insurrection, according to a release. Okay, so I look forward to the interview 
with uh, Vice President Mike Pence and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, both of whom were in charge of the actual certification of the election. The two-hour conversation will feature Nancy Pelosi, as well as Democratic Representatives Lisa Blunt, Rochester of Delaware, Jason Crow of Colorado, Veronica Escobar of Texas, Ruben Gallego of Arizona, Dan Kildee of Michigan, and Susan Wilde of Pennsylvania. Wow. Sounds riveting. Riveting, riveting stuff. Now, again, the real reason that the Democrats are doing this is made clear by Politico today. They have to drive the panic. The panic is that we are on the verge of the overturn of democracy here in the United States. Democracy is on its last legs. Now, here is the thing. There was no institutional support for the people who went in the Capitol. They are all going to jail. Many of them have already been sentenced. Many of them are still sitting in jail awaiting trial. There was no major corporate media support for this. None. This notion that there were like a bunch of people on TV cheering it on, find them. Where are they? Even the much maligned Fox News hosts who were supposedly supportive of this were, were apparently texting Donald Trump direct, being like, stop this crap. There, there, there was no, the entire corporate world with regard to Black Lives Matter put out statements in support of Black Lives Matter. Nary a word about the violence, about the looting, about the murders, n- nothing, nothing. All by, all by the way, based on a giant lie that America's law enforcement is systemically racist, which is the sole reason why you have a discrepancy and a disparity between the number of blacks and whites in prison. When it came to January 6th, which has no institutional support, that is the threat to the democracy. And they have to, they have to, up the threat, right? They have to talk about how deep the threat was. And this is why you have Politico reporting all of these various polls showing that America's on the precipice of disaster. Precipice. We're all going to die. It's the end. It's the end. Unless Democrats retain, if Democrats retain power, everything will be fine. If Republicans take power, all will end. According to Politico, roughly four in 10 Republicans and independents say that violent action against the government is sometimes justified, according to a startling new Washington Post University of Maryland poll. Overall, the percentage of Americans who say violent action against the government is justified at times stands at 34%, which is considerably higher than in past polls by the Post or other major news organizations. Again, the view is partisan. The news survey finds 40% of Republicans, 41% of independents, 23% of Democrats saying violence is sometimes justified. By the way, that is a too broad poll question. The question is not, is violence justified right now? The question is, is violence against the government sometimes justified? In a country where a revolution was literally fought against the prevailing government, The answer is yes. Sometimes violence against the government is justified. It depends on what the government is trying to do is the answer. That doesn't mean violence right now. It doesn't mean violence based on current policy. But I think you would be hard pressed to say that violence against, say, the state governments of Alabama in 1861 was unjustified. I feel like it was kind of justified, wasn't it? I mean, they were propagating slaveholding. So again, treating that as like, oh my God, it's all going to... To get the dead giveaway in that particular poll is that 41% of independents agree with Republicans. Okay, then there's another poll. A new CBS YouGov poll finds 68% of respondents see the January 6th attacks as a harbinger of increasing political violence, not an isolated incident. Well, you, you can't lament the message that you guys have been promoting being taken up by the American public. You guys keep saying over and over, it's the end of democracy. And then you pull Americans. They're like, well, I guess it's the end of democracy. They're like, my God, I'm shocked. They say it's the end of democracy. And you keep telling them that, guys. Here's my favorite poll stat. You ready? 12% of the country, a fifth of Trump's 2020 voters, want Trump to fight to retake the presidency right now before the next election. A third of the people within that 12% say he should use force if necessary. 4% of the population. But that amounts to millions of Americans. Um, Question, what's the margin of error? The margin of error on these types of polls is typically 2 to 4%. 
So in other words, the answer is pretty much no one thinks that, that Donald Trump should initiate a violent coup against the American government. They're like, well, I got to panic. It's at 4%. Like 10% of Americans still think Elvis is alive. What are you talking about? The, the CBS crosstabs are equally telling, says Politico. Among Democrats, 85% call the riot an insurrection in which people are trying to overthrow the government. Among Republicans, only 21% said that. 18% said they were trying to overthrow the government. GOP voters were more likely to say the rioters were motivated by defending freedom or patriotism. Okay, well, maybe that's because everything is completely and utterly reactionary. And so you guys keep talking January 6th, and so a bunch of people on the right are like, well, then it must be good if you guys hate it. Okay, In, in any case, what is this really about? What this is really about for the Democrats is pushing forward their rejiggering of federal voting law. That's why they're pushing this so hard. And the media is complicit. The New York Times has an entire piece called Every Day is January 6th Now. Every day. Now, if it is for you, it's because you're a crazy person. I mean, I don't know if you are Bill Murray and you're waking up in Washington, D.C. And every time you hit that clock, and your little hand in mine, and it's January 6th again. My God, the insurrection has begun. No, no. But for the New York Times... They wish, they wish it to be January 6th every day because January 6th was the day the Republicans were the worst. And it's not today. It is not, in fact, January 3rd, 2022. It is January 6th, 2021, forever, because that was the day they had to be the best people in the world because they weren't you. And you weren't there. You weren't the person who broke into the Capitol. You may have thought that sucked. You may have criticized, but you were with them, weren't you? Because you're not with us. And that's all that matters. The New York Times has a piece, quote, one year after the smoke and broken glass, the mock gallows and the very real bloodshed of that awful day, it is tempting to look back and imagine what we can, in fact, simply look back. To imagine that what happened on January 6th was horrifying, but that it is in the past and that we as a nation have moved on. That is an understandable impulse. After four years of chaos, cruelty, and incompetence culminating in a pandemic and the once unthinkable trauma of January 6th, most Americans were desperate for some peace and quiet. I love that sentence. That it culminated in a pandemic, right? It's Trump's fault, the pandemic. Four years of chaos and cruelty and incompetence. That was the worst administration. I mean, sure, we had a booming economy and sure, we didn't engage in any foreign wars, but it was all, Trump did tweet some mean crap. Says the New York Times, on the surface, we've achieved peace and quiet. Really? I feel like people are kind of unhappy. The president has a 41% approval rating. Our political life seems more or less normal these days as the president pardons turkeys and Congress quarrels over spending bills, but peel back a layer and things are far from normal. January 6th is not in the past. It is every day. Every day. And so we must look forward. Hundreds of bills have been proposed. Nearly three dozen laws have been passed that empower state legislatures to sabotage their own elections, overturn the will of their voters. Some bills would change the rules to make it easier for lawmakers to reject the votes of their citizens if they don't like the outcome. By the way, those bills have not passed. Others replace professional election officials with partisan actors. Yet more attempt to criminalize human errors by election officials, in some cases, even threatening prison. Thus, the Capitol riot continues in state houses across the country in a bloodless, legalized form. No police officer can arrest. No prosecutor can try in court. This is why what we need is to kill the filibuster. This is what they say. They say Democrats hold unified power. They're not confronting the urgency of the moment. What we have to do is basically kill the filibuster, and then we have to pass a bunch of new laws, including the For the People Act, which is the voting, the voting act that would completely rejigger voting in the United States. That's what they want. So their solution is they know they're going to lose in 2022, so they're going to rig the rules. They're going to rig the rules by shouting that if they don't rig the rules, January 6th will happen every day. Right? This is their shtick. For example, Benny Thompson, who's the January 6th chairman representative, he says that the, he says 
that January 6th could happen again. He's deeply worried January 6th could happen again. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, because um, I, I have noticed that some Democrats have denied election results in the past, but apparently this is the only day that has ever happened. Is January, just like the world began turning, the day that Donald Trump was elected, it apparently ceased turning on January 6th. It's amazing. It, it, Donald Trump is the center of these people's universe, and, and now he's not there, so I guess he's just a black hole at the center of their universe. Here we go. Are you worried that an attack on our democracy like we're seeing right there with our own two eyes on January 6th last year could happen again going forward? Yes, I am. Uh, I committed to it, the Capitol. Uh, we saw uh, all those points and some others that's not in that video uh, that really causes us significant concern that unless we get it right, uh, given the attitude of what's occurring in this country now, uh, it could happen again. Okay, so what's their solution? Their solution, of course, is rig the voting procedures. And this is their their actual solution, just like they did in Pennsylvania, right? They, they avoided the Pennsylvania state constitution and simply crammed down the everybody gets to vote absentee. We have to have drop boxes everywhere, ballot harvesting up the wazoo. This is what they wish to do federally. And the way that they're going to gin up support for this is by claiming that if they don't do this, every election will be, you have to let us steal the next election so that you don't steal the election. If we steal it, you can't steal it. Right, that, that, that is the logic here. So this is why CNN is hosting retired General Stephen Anderson saying that the military might facilitate a 2024 threat from within. And this is alarmist bullcrap. It's just not true. Um, you know, there's, there's a threat within. We've got some people that just haven't been educated. Um, they haven't been found out. And they're, they've grown in power um, through perhaps inaction uh, on the parts of some of our key leaders. And we need to do what we can do now to identify those people, get them out of our ranks and train the rest of the force on Civics 101 about how our country is supposed to work, how elections work. Stop listening to the pillow guy and start learning about our country and how it's actually supposed to run. It's a threat within the military. It's a threat that's coming directly from. Okay, so again, if you ramp up the alarmism, what do you get? You get to do all the things that you wanted to do, which is really what it's about. As political reports today, quote, it's going to be an emotional week for a lot of people on Capitol Hill. With the one-year anniversary of the January 6th Capitol siege Thursday, Congress is planning an array of memorials and speeches to commemorate one of the darkest days in American history. Okay, it was a very dark day in American history. It was not, in fact, one of the top five to ten darkest days in American history. Uh, you know, the, the, the reason that I say that is because we've had some pretty dark days. We've had presidents who have been assassinated. John F. Kennedy had his head blown off in public. We, we've had literally, I mean, the Senate building was bombed in the 1970s. We had a giant civil war in this country. We had a century of Jim Crow. Like, this one is not at the top of the list. But if you exaggerate the threat, you get to do what you want to do. Democrats are hoping Thursday will be more than just a day of remembrance. In the Senate, we hear from well-positioned sources, there's a desire to take the opportunity to supercharge the party's long-stalled voting rights legislation, possibly even using the anniversary to try to get Senators Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin to go nuclear on the filibuster or embrace rules changes. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to lay out a plan today. They'll bring the party's push to nationalize voting rights protections to the floor in the coming days. All week, Democrats will argue that a flurry of voting restrictions that have passed in GOP-controlled states over the last year are a direct result of the January 6th riots and the big lie promulgated by former President Donald Trump and that democracy is still very much on the line. So we have to kill the filibuster, and then we have to cram through a bill that's going to that's not only going to allow, it's going to mandate, mandate that states allow ballot harvesting across the spectrum, for example. 
and that absentee ballots are just sent directly to your house, regardless of whether you requested one or not, and that the time of voting be expanded dramatically, even though we really all should be voting on, on election day. This is required. You have to let us change all the rules about voting so that you don't steal democracy. You have to, guys, to save democracy, because a bunch of people went into the Capitol building and tried to beat police officers and now will go to jail or are already in jail. Because that happened, you have to let us kill the filibuster in the Senate, overhaul America's voting procedures and federalize everything. That's how to save democracy. If you allow us to kill democracy, it will 100% save democracy. This is what they are talking about right now. Some Democrats think an argument pegged to January 6th could win over Cinema and Mansion, the party's two major holdouts against making an end run around the filibuster. Schumer has signaled that when the bill goes down, he will open a debate about changing Senate rules to enable passage of voting measures without the chamber's 60-vote threshold. That debate could push into next week as the party puts the squeeze on Cinema and Mansion. Will this work? Probably not. It probably won't work. But at the very least, they will have shifted the conversation with the help of the entire Democrat media complex. That's their hope. Here's the thing. It ain't going to work. Democrats are headed for a very, very bad 2022. They, the ones who, who know it, know it. And, uh, and no matter how much they try to misdirect over to January 6th, it turns out January 6th happened a full year ago and no one's going to care. More people are going to be worried about their pocketbook than they're going to be worried about the people who decided to invade the Capitol building January 6th, 2021 when we hit November 2022. All righty, we'll be back here later today with much more content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Moles Show that is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show, and Happy New Year. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our production manager is Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. I, along with everybody else, got the Rona. The ruling class completely changed its COVID propaganda. And no less a lecherous country than France prepares to ban porn. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 